finishing today the series that our staff has been leading you in um, all, all the month of August, and we'll finish today, a Movement of Hope, which is the vision that God's given us as a church. I think we're out of t-shirts, I understand. Fortunately, I got mine before we left, so that's what I'm, that's what I'm wearing today. Uh, sorry for those of you who, who haven't gotten one yet. I'm sure we'll figure out a way to remedy that. Uh, so, uh, one really crazy thing that happened uh, while I was gone, uh, we were in California, and uh, there, were, there were four of us, and, you know, we'd all played hard and went to bed, and, you, you know, you have these crazy dreams sometimes that just kind of partially mix reality with real life, with uh, fantasy, and uh, I was asleep, and in my dream, somehow, somebody was going to break into my house, and, but I knew it. I don't know how I knew it, but I knew it. You know how in dreams you know things, you don't know how you know I knew somebody was going to break in, and so I only had one chance to have an advantage, and that is that I knew they were going to break in, but they didn't know I knew, so I went and hid behind a chair in the corner, you know, waiting for them to come in, thinking, you know, this is my only advantage. Like, once, once they know that I'm up, it's over, so i got to figure out how to, you know, really take advantage of this one, one option I got. And so I was crouched down, literally saw myself in my living room, crouched down behind a chair in my living room, and all of a sudden, somebody woke me up out of the dream, like re- real, for real, for real, not, not like in the dream, woke me up and said, hey, this is what I heard at 6 o'clock in the morning. I think a bear got in the house last night. I said, oh, I was like, what? Like, you know, I'm, I'm stuck in a dream and in reality, and uh, one, one, of, one of our friends went with us, and he said, I think a, a bear got in the house. And then, he, then he, as I'm trying to, you know, figure out what land I'm in, he said, I think it's gone. Do you know the word that stuck out to me in that sentence? Think. What do you mean you think it's gone? You mean it could still be in here? So here we are, bedhead, you know, creeping around the hallway, looking down the hallway of this rental house we're in, this Airbnb, and thinking, is there, is there a bear? And we sneak around into the kitchen, and then finally my, we didn't see a bear, and my adrenaline starts coming, I thought, you know what, you're just, you're messing with me. There's no bear in here. And I start to look around, there's some little juice bottles on the ground that have been messed up. And I thought, it's not a bear. Like a raccoon came in the house or something like that, you know. And then I keep looking around and I see the coffee knocked over and I see the curtain dripped off the window and I see both refrigerator doors open and everything pulled out of the refrigerator and a trail of what used to be food through the house and then I see the freezer door open. And then I see on a gas stove, two stove eyes turned on. The flames just kicking. And then a third one was trying to ignite, and it was just clicking. Click, 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 click. And I thought, oh, well, good. We almost blew up. I mean, you know, I don't know what was in the house, but we almost blew up. And so then I thought, you know, I think a bear got in the house. <laughs> and we look around, and there's bear hair in the sink. And, uh, and, and I'll show you a picture. I got a couple of pictures. That's the window where it came in. And then go to the, that's the M&M's that shredded. You go to the next picture. And then, um, oh, here, uh, sorry, on the left right here. So there's the screen that was mangled. And when I went outside and saw that, and then a bottle of, you know, salad dressing on the porch that it had turned up and drank and juice bottles. on That's, that's a big raccoon. I'm going to tell you that. <laughs> and so here's, here's the crazy part about the whole thing. I thought, I got to tell the owner, you know. And he said, uh, I said, hey, a, a bear got in the house. And he said, how'd you get it out? 
I said, I don't know. It just left. I, I have no idea. We, we never woke up. He said, you slept through it? And I said, yeah, I, mean, I, I don't know. There were four of us in the house in four different rooms with the door shut asleep. And that bear came in and mauled the house, ate our blueberries and our yogurt and our M&Ms. And by the way, they won't touch dog treats. That should tell you everything you need to know about that. Or the granola cereal I bought. They don't, they don't like that. And, and just wiped the house out. And we never woke up. Now, I'm just going to tell you, you put one woman in that house, and it would have changed that story. I guarantee you, that whole story would have ended differently. But, but uh, on the way out, we started to research then, you know, look on the internet for like, how rare is this, and how often does this happen? And, and we read an article by a guy who said, oh, don't ever worry about a bear coming in your house. He said it's so rare I can't even name one event where it's actually happened. And I thought, write that guy, because I know of one. I know at least of one. But it, it's, amazing how, um, it's amazing how unaware. Then we started to think, man, I hope nobody like, tries to break in or nothing, because we're all dead. Like, no, none of this group's not going to help each other. But it did, it did make me think how amazing it is how unaware we humans can be sometimes, you know? And uh, if you'll just let me spin the story a little bit, do you think maybe there's been times that God's been working in your life or maybe even in our church and we just weren't aware of it? Like he was in another room doing something, you know, just one room over maybe, not far away, just kind of working but we weren't really fully aware of what was going on. Well, I want to show you today how God's been working and he's been working in our church. But to do that, I, I want to first kind of go back to the pandemic and then I want to walk our way backward a little bit further and show you how God's been working. Oftentimes we see God's work clearest when we look back. You know what I mean? How many times have you heard somebody say, I didn't know at the time. But now that I look back, I see how God did this and this and this. Well, maybe we didn't know at the time, but let me just pick it up at the pandemic then and work our way backwards. Um, you might not be aware of this. We've talked about it a little bit. But, man, all over America, churches have lost a lot of people who've just disconnected from their community of faith, disconnected from faith. The best estimates we have today and we don't really know what the number is, is somewhere between 20 to 50%. It just depends on church by church, state by state, region by region, have been lost. Now, I think what's happened is we, we realized that when, when a little suffering came and a little chaos came, people were shaken and disconnected because they didn't have their anchor drop deep enough, Right? They didn't have their anchor drop deep enough to survive the chaos of the storm. So what I'm just going to say to you is, man, we can't let that happen again. Because this probably won't be the last problem the world ever sees. So we're going to have to get deeper. We're going to have to drop a deeper anchor, right? We're going to have to get a little bit deeper and understand what the foundation of our faith has been. So let me show you, though, how God's been working and what He's been doing. Two years before the pandemic... We got about 50 leaders in our church together and started to pray and to study and to think and to talk and say, what is God's vision for our church? Like if Kingwood Church became everything God wanted it to be, what would it be? 
What would it look like? What would it do? And so a lot of times when churches do this, they look for what does God really want our church to be. They go to Acts chapter 2, and that's a completely legitimate place to turn. Because that's the beginning of the church and the birth of the church. But that's a picture of the church in its infancy. As we got there and, and as we began to talk and I prayed, I felt like the Lord led us to Ephesians 4. Because we're a different kind of church. Look, this church isn't in its infancy. This church is almost 90 years old. We have people in this church four generations deep walking with God in this same community of faith all the way up to people who were saved this year and baptized this year and everything in between. So Ephesians 4 is a picture of the church in its maturity. And so this is a part of the vision I've never shared. Uh, we shared it with our, with our team back then, but we've never talked about it since then publicly together. So I want to share that part with you. And in Ephesians 4, I want to read five verses. And as I read them, they're, they're rich, they're deep, they're complex. When you hear them, you're going to say, man, that's, <laughs> that sounds great. That sounds like a lot. I don't know exactly what it all means. Don't worry about that. Don't try to hang on any one word or thought. Just receive the tone and the theme. Just hear the tone and the theme of Christ's vision for the church. Here it is. So Christ himself, he didn't delegate it, he did it. Gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. Why did he do that? To equip his people for works of service. Why? So that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity. Boy, wouldn't that be great? All reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And then what will happen? Then we will no longer be infants. The anchor will be deep enough to survive the storms of life. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves. There's a lot of waves. The water's choppy. I don't know if you noticed. There's a lot of waves out there. And blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of Him who is the head, that is, Christ. Two years before the pandemic... The Holy Spirit leads our church to this passage and says, this is the picture of what I want Kingwood Church to be. When Kingwood Church becomes everything I want it to be, this is what it's going to look like getting deeper and getting deeper, and the Holy Spirit's still talking about it, to us about getting deeper. So... Fast forward to 2020, we share our vision with our church. Three weeks later, the pandemic hits. Now, some people might look at that and say, oh no, now you got to start all over and get a whole vision again. Why? The same God that gave us the vision knew that the pandemic was coming in three weeks. We don't have to get nothing new again. We got what we need. <laughs> the Holy Spirit knew the future. He knew what was coming. He knew the world was going to be changing. And He knew what we needed before we needed it. And He gave it to us. So like a bear in the kitchen, the Holy Spirit's been in there rustling around, changing things, and getting us ready. 
So he gave us a vision to be a movement of hope. But the part of the vision that we need to anchor on today is in order to be a movement of hope, we got to be strong enough to be a movement of hope. It, 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 we, we, can't, we can't just do light Christianity. It's not going to be how can we fit a little bit more of Jesus into our life. That's not going to work. If we learned anything from the pandemic, we learned that's not going to work. No, no, we don't need that. We need to know how do we live a, a Christ-centered life. That's what's going to work. That's where the depth is. That's where the anchor needs to be dropped. So what I want to do is I want to back up one more verse into verse 10. And I want to show you God's plan for that. Verse 10. He who descended, we're talking about Jesus. He descended. He, he was crucified, suffered, died, and then he descended So he was buried, is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens. He was resurrected. Why why did Christ die and come back from the dead? In order to fill the whole universe. So God's had one plan from the beginning of time. It's to fill the entire universe with the presence of God. And he died and came back from the dead and was resurrected and is now at the right hand of the Father to fill the universe with his presence. And how does that happen? Listen, it happens every time we meet God. So so how do we meet God? We meet God in victory. We meet God in tragedy. We meet God in pleasure. We meet God in pain. We meet God in the morning. We meet God in the evening. We meet Him on vacation. We meet Him at church. We meet Him at work. We meet Him at home. We meet Him when we read the Bible. We meet Him when we pray. We meet Him in worship. We meet Him in Christian fellowship and community. We meet Him in the quiet. We meet Him in celebration. We meet Him in the past. We meet Him in the future. We search for Him and we find Him and meet Him every everywhere because he is everywhere and when we meet him there we change our life changes so (laughs) our vision number one is to be a movement of hope by helping people meet God we call it hope another way to say it is the presence of God The only hopeless place on earth is the place without God's presence. The only hopeless people on earth are the people without God's presence. Because what God wants to do is He wants to fill every cell in your mind. He wants to fill every capillary in your body. He wants to fill every corner of your heart with His presence. We think of the universe, we think of the things that the the James Webb telescope can see. Oh, he'll fill all that too. He's already been there. (laughs) We're not going to see anything he ain't already saw. He made it. But let me tell you what's more important than that. What's inside your soul. He wants to fill every part of you with his presence. And before we leave today, that's what we're going to pray. We came today to meet God. Because he's still working to fill the whole universe with his presence. Now, what I want to do is shift a little bit and give you a little bit different part of the vision kind of out of order from what you've heard at the last month because I want to show you the outcome. So number two, our vision is to be a movement of hope by empowering everyone to take their next step. Pastor Corey did such a great job sharing this part of the vision last week. 
And I don't, I don't want to restate all of that. I just want to say this. Outside of salvation, the greatest gift God ever gave you is the ability to grow is the ability to become, is the ability to continue to transform. So salvation is not a destination, it's a journey. (laughs) It's not not an end, it's a new beginning to a new journey where you keep changing from glory to glory to glory and you actually become something else. You become a whole new creature, a whole new person, a whole new creation. And on that journey, there's hundreds of little steps that you take. And what we want to be is we want to be a church that empowers everybody to take that step, whatever that is for you. So it might be, you know, um, it might be water baptism. And man, a few weeks ago, we celebrated nine people taking that step. We want to be the church where nobody's stuck. (laughs) We want to be the church where everybody knows what their step is, and they know how to take it. We've empowered you to take it. Your next step might be getting connected in a, in a group. Hey, by the way, this Friday, if we have your email address, if you're online, we have your email address, we're going to send you our fall life group guide. Here's all that is. It's a list of all the groups that are going to start next week. So next Sunday is our official life group launch for the fall, which just means our groups start. It's a great time to get in a group, and let me tell you why. Here's what's important. It's so important that you find your people, right? In one way, we're all your people. But in another way, you need a group of people that are your people, that you know when you come to church, that's who you sit beside, or that's who you look for, or that's who you serve with, or that's who you connect with, or that's who's going to pray for you, or you're going to pray for them, or that's somebody you can text or reach out to. But you know what? That takes time. You have to build a relationship. Nobody's going to drop that on you. And so I want to encourage you, maybe your next step is to, is to take that step of connection. We, let us help you do it. We want to help you find your people. We'll do that. We'll send the email. It'll be on our website. And also, uh, next Sunday, we'll have more information about it. Uh, maybe your next step's learning how to read the Bible, or to become a leader, or to start a new relationship with Jesus. Or maybe you're new to Kingwood. Maybe you've been following online for a while, or you're here, this is your first, second, third, whatever. You've been here a few months. This Wednesday night at 7 o'clock, we have a, 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 group, a small group gathering called New to Kingwood that's going to happen in Kingwood Joe's, our coffee shop, right out in the foyer. And all we ask you to do is just show up. Just come at 7. It's a one-hour meeting. If you're online, you're local in town, you can come and join us. May, if that's your step... We want to help you take that step because we want you to get closer to Jesus and to get stronger. Maybe, maybe your step is uh, to take a mission trip. Maybe your step is to learn how to pray or to get involved. Look, I can tell you, we, we've been like bears in the kitchen around here working in another room that you can't even see, doing all kinds of things to reorganize our whole church to make it an empowerment center. And you'll see next year we're going to overhaul our website. You're going to see we're, we're working feverishly behind the scenes, tearing everything up to try to restructure it around the picture God gave us of what he wants us to do and who he wants us to be. So we want to help you. We want to empower you. Now, imagine this. Imagine a church that is filled with God's presence 
where everyone is empowered to keep growing stronger. Now, why would God want a church that is filled with his presence where everyone's empowered to get stronger? Why would he want that? So that we might make a difference. So that we might impact the world. So that we might become a movement of hope. That's how we become a movement of hope. Is we need to be filled with his presence and we need to be taking those steps that God gave us to grow so that we could become a movement of hope and affect the world. Number three, our vision is to be a movement of hope by living the belief that anyone can find Jesus. You know what that means? That means our church is going to have black people, it's going to have white people, it's going to have Asian people, it's going to have Hispanic people, it's going to have former Mormons and former Hindus and former Buddhists and former agnostics, it's going to have rich people and poor people, it's going to have educated people and uneducated people. You know why? Because anybody can find Jesus. Anybody can find him. Right? And if our church doesn't reflect that in its demographics, then we're not living that belief. So let's talk about that. We don't want to just believe it. It's one thing to believe. Belief is cheap. I read it on Facebook. I read what people believe all day long on social media. The scrolls never end on what people believe. Belief is cheap. Right? How do you live it? How do you live it? Well, that, that's, that's where it comes down to it, isn't it? Let me tell you some ways we're living it. And we're just getting started. Did you know that only 2% of all the missionary support in America goes to the most unreached parts of the world? Only 2%. Man, as God began to shift this vision inside our hearts a few years ago, we began to shift our outreach strategy to match it. And we said, 2%? That's, that's crazy. And that's a large part of the world with only 2% of the effort going there. we got to do more than that. And so we started to shift our support for missionaries and the places they went and all that. You know what? I, I, actually, because I, I don't know, I've been out of town. I just got caught up during worship. And the numbers that I had were old. And Pastor Clark gave me new and better numbers that nobody's ever heard. Do you want to hear them? Now, remember, American average is 2%. We just got to 25% of our support is going to the most unreached parts of the world. 25%. Right? Here's what else. That's of 121 missionaries that we support. Living the belief that God can change anybody's life. And we've, we've invested significantly in online ministry. <laughs> and we're going to keep doing that. And I can't tell you, every month that goes by, I meet somebody that says, man, I, we were following you online and been watching online ministry and been watching online service or whatever, and, and somehow or another they've connected with us in a deeper way and we're seeing change happen in their lives. So that's the new world. We're not, we're not backing off. We're looking to see how can we do more in online ministry. We have also are shifting our outreach focus. So um, there's a lot of churches these days that, that serve their community. In other words, they find a need in their community. They send a team out. 
They serve them. They, they do good work. They do a, the good work of Jesus. And I'm, I'm for it. I, I like it. I think it's good. What I, what I believe that we should do, though, is I believe we should go deeper than that. And here's how we're going to do that. We're going to launch outreach groups that are going to, we're going to discern and pray and ask God to show us who are the groups of people in our community that you've given to us to adopt, and we're going to go and serve them. And rather than what happens sometimes is, is people, strangers come one time, they serve, they do good work, they leave, and you never see them again. What we're going to do is we're going to go one time, and then the next month we're going to come again, and the next month we're going to come again, and we're going to come every month and keep coming and keep coming and keep coming and build a relationship with people and serve them. And over time, Jesus is going to open some of their hearts, and they're going to come to an eternal faith in Christ because they're going to receive the love of God. And, and I, this, this thought came to me. Many of you know, most of you know, my wife is in a nursing home. And last Christmas when I was there, I saw that um, she got these little gift bags that, you know, churches would stuff a gift bag and they would uh, bring it to a person's room and kind of wish them a Merry Christmas. And so I, I went to a room near Christmas and, and it'll be a little bag with goodies and a little prayer card or something. There's really sweet. But she had four of them from four different churches. And, and, I, and I saw that and I thought, you know what, this is great but this isn't what she needs. She doesn't need a fifth gift bag with more shampoo in it. She needs somebody that gets to know her, that knows what her need is, so they'll know how to meet it. But to do that, you can't come once. You've got you to get to know people. You've got to build a relationship. So that's what we're going to do. When, when, I, when I say to you, I feel like the Holy Spirit's leading us to go deeper, we need to go deeper in outreach, not just deeper in one part of the church. We need to go deeper everywhere. So we want to get deeper in this community. So here's what we're going to do. This fall, we're going to uh, have two outreach groups. One of them is going to serve the special needs community and uh, be serving partially with the Miracle League. And then we're also going to have a respite night here for families who have special needs uh, children. They can drop them off here and go have a night out. Uh, The other group is going to serve uh, foster care families. And look, that's the start. Like, that's the beginning We want more groups, and we want to meet more needs in our community, and we want to be more present. Because why? Jesus wants to fill the whole universe with his presence. He can't do that if we all just stay in here, (laughs) right? we We got to go out. And then um, in October of this year, we're going to do a series called um, How to Thrive When Life is Heavy. How many of you know life's been kind of heavy, hadn't it? It's been heavy. It's been heavy on a lot of people for a lot of reasons. Man, I'm asking you to start praying right now and asking God to show you who could be ministered to by a series like that. In October, that's going to be the whole series. So we'll talk more about it. But we're trying to get more strategic And how we become a movement of hope. And then, I don't know if you know this, but this year already we've seen 85 people start a brand new relationship with Jesus. And we baptized 33 people in water. Come on. Isn't that awesome? I think that's awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. And that's what it means to be a movement of hope. So here's what I want you to know, okay? 
It's not about, you know, what are the Republicans going to do or what are the Democrats going to do, right? It's not about are we for vaccines or are we against vaccines. It's not about are you going to wear a mask, you're not going to wear a mask. It's not about um, are you for the student loan bailout or are you against the student loan bailout. That's not what it's about. Like, we've got to be about what the church is about because there isn't anybody else that's about it. Jesus gave one group of people on the whole earth the, uh, the mission to spread his presence through the whole universe, and it's the church. And so we can't let the agenda of the church be hijacked by the agenda of the world. Right? we got to be the church. Because here's the thing. The church doesn't belong to me, and it doesn't belong to you, and it doesn't belong to anybody else. The church belongs to Jesus, so only he gets to decide what happens to it. Only he gets to decide what it becomes. Oh, and by the way, let me just rephrase for you what he said it should be in Ephesians 4. I'm not going to read the whole thing again. I just want to pick out some key words. Okay, let me show them to you. Here's what Jesus said he wants his church to be. Here's the first one, gifted. The Bible says God gave gifts to people. So his vision of the church is to be gifted. God has given you supernatural abilities to affect people for eternity. That's what he's done. And, and here's another word we pull from that verse, strong. Man, God doesn't want his church to be weak. He wants his church to be strong. And then mature. <laughs> Grown up. Able to discern, able to understand, grounded and rooted. Here's the next phrase. United in faith and the knowledge of Christ. United in faith, not united in politics, not united in culture, not united in the most current issue. United in faith. Man, do you believe Jesus died and came back from the dead? Can we unite around that? United in faith. And the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Man, the church has got to stop splintering off and all this other stuff and unite on the thing that Jesus said mattered about his church the most. And to live in the fullness of Christ. Oh, man, come on. Not, not uh, weak, not anemic, not barely making it. The fullness of Jesus Christ. Uh-oh, look at this next one. Not easily deceived. Come on, Jesus, we need help with this one. Man, we need help, we need help, we need help. Not easily deceived, not easily confused, not easily distracted, not easily drug away. <laughs> and then look at this, speaking the truth in love. Man, it, 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 I don't know if you know it or not, it's illegal to speak the truth. They're not illegal, but it's not politically correct. Speak the truth anymore. Now, God knows we've done it not in love enough, okay? So it's got to be in love, <laughs> right? But man, if the church loses the ability to speak truth, don't, don't, worry, about, don't worry about the news and the community to one another. If you and I lose the ability to speak truth in love to each other, we will never be strong.
we will stay weak. And that is not Jesus' vision for his church. Here's another one, connected. (laughs) That's what we were talking about earlier. Let us help you find your people. Man, you don't need to go to church as a stranger. You don't need to just hang out not knowing anybody. That's not Jesus' vision. If you're a Christian, if you're saved, man, his vision is for you to be connected. And then this next one, working. Working. God gave you a purpose. He gave you gifts. He gave you an identity. He gave you unique abilities. And man, to use those to affect eternity. And then the last one's growing. Man, God wants his church to grow in strength and love and the fullness of Christ. So how do we become a church like that? How do we become a church like that? So that kind of reorganize the vision to show you this part. We cannot become a church like that without you. Number four, our vision is to be a movement of hope by helping people find purpose. God has given you an incredible purpose. And if you don't know that purpose, if you can't find that purpose, and you can't live that purpose, then we're going to stay weak. Because the purpose that God gave you somehow or another, maybe even in ways we can't explain, when you do it, it makes the rest of us stronger. (laughs) When I do mine, we get stronger. And you do yours, you get strong, we get stronger. Because we're knitted together. We're one family. We're one body. And if one part's weak, it drags the rest down. If, if you have strength over here, it pulls the weak up. Our vision is to be a movement of hope by helping people find purpose. God's given you that purpose. And we know the purpose is to fill the whole universe with the presence of God. So what God's called you to do is to be a hope spreader. A person who plants seeds of hope, encourages, builds up, strengthens, matures, speaks the truth in love. I want to read now one more verse further in that chapter, verse 16. From him, Jesus Christ, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament. Do you see how connected all that is? No more than you can separate someone's nervous system and their muscular tissue and the bone and still have a leg. (laughs) You can't separate. The body's intertwined. By every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love. Look at that last line. As each part does its work. As each part does its work. Now, God's given you great gifts, and He's given you a great purpose. And when you use those gifts, everywhere else but the church, then the church is going to stay weak. But when you take that gift that God's given you and that purpose that God, God's given you, and you bring it to bear through the life of the church, man, the church gets stronger, and the church gets so the, the church is the hope of the world because it's the, it's, the, it's the entity that Christ gave his mission to. And when you use the gift God gave you 
to impact, then what happens is the light of the world shines a little bit brighter. Right? So rather than looking on Facebook at, you know, or social media at the people who are failing morally or deconstructing their faith or abandoning their faith or whatever, man, open the Bible and look at Ephesians 4 and start reading right there and saying, God, I want to be part of that. I want to be in. I want to be in on that. God, help me. Show me. I want to be part of the strengthening, not part of the weakening. I want to be part of the building up, not the tearing down. (laughs) Show me. God, show me how to do that. So, here's the thing. We're in like a rebuilding time, right? A lot of stuff's being rebuilt, kind of trying to get back on schedule and all that stuff. Here's my encouragement to you. As you're rebuilding your new normal, your life, man, don't rebuild it around everything the culture says and everything the culture does. Rebuild your life before you get patterns set, before you get new rhythms set, before you get new ways set. Rebuild your life around Jesus Christ (laughs) and center your life with Him and the work that He's doing in and through the church in the world because that will last for eternity. Right? Would you stand with me this morning? I can't tell you how big a joy it is for me get to, to get to be home today, to be with you. Man, God's moving, <laughs> and He's working, and we haven't even seen the best of it yet. Would you just close your eyes with me for a moment? If you're online, just kind of pause for a moment with us. Man, we're, we're going to lift our voice up, and we're going to worship this Jesus we've been talking about all morning. And God's going God's to work God's not done even this morning. Lord, today I thank you that you are present and you actually want to be more present. You want to be, you want to fill us in a deeper way. And so, Lord, today we surrender our our heart and our mind and our life and we say, yes, Lord, fill every part of our being today. And we don't want to leave this place. We don't want to disconnect online this morning until we've somehow met you personally. And so, Lord, I pray that'll happen in these next few moments. In Jesus' name. Come on, as the worship.